We're going to be reading from Titus uh, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 9 and just finishing off that bit that, uh, that Cody had done for us and read just into the first verse of chapter 2. Here's what it says. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole households by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, and this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and commands of people who turn away from the truth, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Paul knew firsthand the devastating impact of wrong understanding of Scripture, of false teaching that, that, that leads people astray. He had seen that time and time again as he was going out and planting churches throughout Europe and Asia. And it seemed like everywhere he went, you remember when we went through the book of Acts and we were looking at all of those stops that he was making. And so often, it was the Jewish community that was there in those cities that stirred up trouble against him, that, that, that uh, spoke out against the teaching that Paul was giving and, and, and uh, created the conflict that often led to uh, uprisings and riots and, and, and pris- imprisonments and beatings and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Not only was Paul familiar with it in the planting of churches, but also in his ongoing building up of those churches that were being established. He, he uh, time and time again, came head to head with those who were of the Jewish faith who came to Christ but we're now trying to, uh, to supplant the freedom that there is in Jesus Christ with more of the old traditions and the, the rules and regulations and, and, and saying that, that Christ was enough for salvation, but now we need to maintain our salvation by following these sets of rules. And, and if we don't, we are abandoning Christ. And Paul, time and time again, was coming head to head with these individuals and, and, and uh, um, uh, speaking out against their detrimental uh, messages that were being seen. And he saw the impact that was having on these new Christians, on these Gentiles, 
where there was this overwhelming load of laws and things that they had nothing, uh, no, no concept of, and all of the, the dietary laws and the feasts and, and, and everything else that was just being weighed them down. And Paul had to stand against that. Paul not only saw that in others, but he also recognized that in himself. And he remembered when he was a a young man there in Jerusalem. And he was so convinced that he was right, that this, this, this new sect that was growing up following after this man Jesus, were, were so wrong and he needed to do whatever he could to stamp that out. And he saw how it affected his life and the way he became a, a cruel, vicious man, seeing uh, the, the, the pain and suffering of other, of other people as the means of accomplishing God's purposes in the world. Paul knew the devastating impact of what it meant to misinterpret Scripture, to, to, to create for oneself an understanding of how to meet with God rather than sticking with the absolute pure, true message of Jesus Christ, the sound doctrine that had been passed on to him, that had been shared to the apostles, how Christ had uh, taught him uh, personally and, and sent him on his way in order to be able to plant these churches. It was that sound gospel message of Jesus Christ that needed to be maintained. And so Paul wrote this letter encouraging Titus to quickly, in whatever way that he could, stamp out that false teaching that was already creeping up within this freshly planted churches. To stand in opposition of that so that the true message of Jesus Christ would be seen. Uh, You see, he, he was talking about how some families or whole households there in verse 11 were already being torn apart. That the word, the Greek word that's being there could be translated either way. It could be referring to churches, the, the, the house churches that were meeting in different locations around the, uh, the time of Crete. But it's also not at all un, uh, surprising that it could be speaking about actual families. How within a family there was tension that was being built as, as one party was trying to hold fast to the message of Jesus Christ and others were, were, were trying to move the church into some of these false teachings and some of these wrong understandings of who Jesus was. And so there was um, this conflict and, and these households, these families were being uh, torn apart. Paul didn't mince any words in his instructions um, to Titus here. And, and uh, in some ways it comes off a little bit harsh, uh, maybe a little bit cruel, and, and, and kind of feeds into this uh, perception that Paul was kind of a hard taskmaster, that he, he jumped on people and tried to, to crush anybody that was uh, opposing him. In verse 10, he calls them insubordinate, empty talkers, uh, deceivers, especially those of the cir- circumcision party. He quotes uh, a poet, uh, um, Epimenides, uh, a Cretan poet, 
from back in the 6th century BC who had uh, made this statement that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Not very complimentary terms to be using. Uh, Paul was probably quoting Epimenides so that, that it wasn't just something that, that he was saying, but he was showing them how this was actually a, a, a cultural thing there on the island of Crete. Uh, that this was uh, had had been for for centuries uh, the the way of of life for the people of of Crete, and it's true we can see that as we read the 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 histories and and read some of the writings from from ancient Rome that that the Cretans did have this kind of of reputation in the world. It was uh, a, a phrase that was being used was um, to Cretanize a Cretan was to be able to, to match lies with a Cretan, to be able to outlie a Cretan. And, 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 and as he was trying to backstab you, you would be able to get around and, and, and stab him in the back. That was the culture of Crete, and everybody, everybody knew it. So Paul was trying to perhaps not seem quite so racist, but to be able to say, your own people recognize that this is your natural tendencies. He then also uh, talks about how their minds and their consciences are defiled. Uh, he, he talks about them as detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And, and, and all of these harsh words kind of come down and, and there's this sense that Paul was being a little bit over the top and, and, and pushing things. <sighs> But there's a phrase in there that I, it's important for us to understand. Um, comes to us there in, in verse 13 where he says, uh, This testimony is, is true, therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Something that we have to understand about discipline whenever it talks about discipline in the Scriptures, in the Bible. It is not disciplined to, to punish and to hurt and to crush somebody who is in opposition to you. Somebody who is living in a wrong way that you would then squash them as much as you can. The whole heart behind discipline has always restoration, healing. That you would help this wayward individual to come back to the true path, the true understanding. And that's really what he is saying here. You remember, we've been talking again and again here about this word, the faith. How, how so often it, it has taken on a meaning that, that, that is more about uh, talking about a religious group. We pe see, we talk about people of the Hindu faith. We talk about people of the, the, the Islamic faith. And, and, and we are believers in the Christian faith. When Paul uses the term the faith, he is not talking, he's not using it as a title of, of a, a religious group. What he is talking about is our faith in the truth about God, our, our actual understanding and knowledge of who God is and what he has done for us and how we can walk in relationship with him. So the whole heart of this is that they would be brought back into a proper relationship with God. That this sharp correction that, that, that Paul is encouraging Titus 
to, uh, to give to these individuals who are teaching false doctrines, who are leading people astray, is so that he can see them restored into relationship with God, into uh, a proper uh, fellowship with the rest of the believers, and they can walk in truth and honesty and integrity before God. So it's not that he is this cruel racist that is trying to, uh, to bulldoze anyone who is in opposition to him. Paul's heart is that they would be restored that they would know Jesus as he truly can be and should be known. One of the things that we've always been aware of here in our church is the danger that we have of getting led astray into uh, different agendas that, that stray from, uh, from the truth of what Scripture has. Because we are an unaffiliated church, we have no denomination that we're a part of, there is no governing body that oversees what happens here. There is that danger that individuals could come into our church and start moving us little by little further and further away from the truth of the Scripture. And, and getting us into some of these false understandings, some of the false doctrines that we see that, that are uh, uh, circulating in, in the, the Christian community around the world here. And, and that is, is something that, that we are, are always aware of. Us. And that's why it is so important for each of us to, to listen to these words and to be vigilant we have uh, we have been blessed with a number of uh, um, godly individuals who, on a regular basis, study the word, prepare sermons, and then present them for us here. And and we've been blessed with with uh, uh, guys like uh, uh, Graham, who is travels the world around and and speaks at crusades. That's written books. And for us as a little small congregation to have access to, to such a, a godly man is, is just such a wonderful gift. To have a, a man like Cody, who has, uh, God has just created him to be, have such an, an analytical mind. And he uh, takes his Bible, and I know I've said this a number of times, but you got to look at his Bible where it is all color-coded. And he has uh, taken all of these different ideas of Scripture and, and following them through and, and connecting them in color. So anytime that it talks about salvation, that is a specific color that is underlined and he can just follow through his whole Bible, the whole thread of salvation as it is there in Scripture. And we're just blessed to have a, a man like that who would uh, take the time and can come and, and present for us and, and share with us what God has taught him. And, and, and each one that, uh, you know, for, to have uh, Steve when he's been able to, to preach for us and, and to, to share from his experience and knowledge and, and expertise. We are just so blessed to have all of these individuals that, that are leading us. And yet, each one of them would be quick to acknowledge that, that none of us are um, immune to getting something a little bit wrong. That, that, that we might not 
follow our own agendas, that we might not follow something from our own sinfulness and, and, and could, could move us aside. And that's why each one of us within this congregation has, has a responsibility to listen to the things that are being spoken of from the front of this church. To, to compare them to what is being written here in Scripture and make sure that there isn't any, any falsehood, anything that is leading the congregation astray. That, to be able to speak up and say, I'm not sure that I quite understand this or it doesn't look like that is what the rest of Scripture has to say. Each one of us has that responsibility to, to stand up and, and speak up um, against uh, wrong doctrines that might be creeping in. But we also have the wonderful blessing of a Holy Spirit who is leading and guiding us. And that's why each one of us also needs to be in constant prayer for our church. That we would be hearing from the Holy Spirit and not from the ideas and thoughts and, and, and philosophies of humanity. But that what is being spoken here conforms to sound doctrine that connects with what Jesus Christ has presented to us. We've also, over, over time, have, have put together what we have entitled our Confession of Faith, which details some of the, the, the essential elements of what we believe as a congregation. And, um, and so there is, out on the table, there is some documents that talk about some of the, the, the mission and vision, the, the founding ideas that, that came into part of who we are as a congregation. And in there you will find our confession of faith. On our website you can find our confession of faith, which details what are the, 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 what's the sound doctrine that we have based our church on. And it starts off with our understanding of who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, that He is the Creator. He is the one who is sovereign in all things. He is the one that has given each and every one of us purpose and meaning in our lives, that, that He alone is the perfection of which we, of, of who is worthy for us to worship goes on to talk about how, how God in that triune um, uh, community um, came to earth as a human. Jesus Christ, uh, the Son, came and lived among us, that He was at the same time fully God and fully human, that He came to live a life that reflected the character of God so that we could know God. Not only could we know God, we could hear what He had to say uh, and, and, and know His teaching for us, but also we could see what it looked like for a human to walk in perfect relationship with God. And that's why Christ came and then He died and paid the penalty for our sin. And it's only because of His death, because He is fully God and fully human, that He was not only able to represent each one of us as human, but also His infinite worthiness would cover all of the sin of the world and pay the penalty for each one that would receive Him, accept His, his offer of salvation. Uh, that He rose from the dead and, and now lives to guide His people 
in how to live that life that reflects uh, the, the will of God in each and every day. Uh, talks about how the Holy Spirit plays a role in, in our salvation, how he is the one who convicts and draws us into relationship with God, how he is the one who transforms our hearts so that we are no longer bound by our sin and our old sin nature, uh, but instead uh, we are free to walk in the newness of life that comes through Jesus Christ, and that it's through him that we can experience uh, God's leading and guiding in our lives. Um, that God has made himself known through his word, which includes the way that he has revealed himself in creation, uh, the way that he has specifically revealed himself through the Bible, and, and most particularly how Jesus is the embodiment of that word, how we can know who God is uh, through his word, Jesus Christ, and how it is as a community we are best equipped to be able to interpret and understand what this says as we work together and depend on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We also, it talks about how we have this great hope of eternity in heaven in the presence of God uh, forever and ever where we have the, the opportunity to proclaim to the rest of creation the wonder of God's love, His, His wisdom and His truth and His power and how that is our role to be in relationship with God, to, to engage in this never-ending discovery of, of the wonder of who He is and, and to, to be a witness and a testimony to the rest of creation and, and lead all of creation into a worship and praise of this wonderful God. It then uh, goes in very practical ways of saying, because of this truth, we turn as a people from ignorance of God to intimacy with God, from bondage of sin into uh, freedom and forgiveness and healing that Jesus alone can bring to us, uh, from, from a, a state of individualism to an interdependence with others in the church, both local and universal, uh, from lifestyle choices that harm us, that harm others, that harm creation, to choices that nurture wholeness, healing, joy, and peace, from hating enemies and ignoring our neighbors, showing love and justice to all, from loving possessions to sharing with all in need, and from an aimless existence to a mission of representing and proclaiming God's kingdom here on this earth. Those are the things that we believe, and those are the, the foundations that, uh, that we have embedded into the, the nature and, and, and DNA of our congregation so that we can best live out what is here in this word. And each one of us, again, has the responsibility of, of reviewing these documents and making sure that we are holding fast to those things that we have said, that, that these, this is what we believe, this is who we are as a people. But even more importantly, that we would as a people hold to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ above all else. Truths that, that are presented for us in all of Scripture, but, but probably in, in some ways best summarized here in um, Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians um, in chapter 15. 
where he wrote, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. This is the focus of what we spend our efforts on. There are lots of other things that, 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 can, uh, that, that we can um, debate and discuss and, and try and understand more fully. But these are the things that we know for sure. The gospel that was preached to, to us through his word, which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached you. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared also to James and then to all of the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me. This is what we stand on. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, sacrificed himself, died on the cross and rose again so that we could have new life. The promise of that resurrection. And that's what we proclaim how do we live that out? That's a good question. Through the rest of Titus, Paul is going to be talking about some of the ways that we live out that sound doctrine, that, that foundation of our faith. But this morning, let me encourage you that it starts with a daily moment-by-moment moment commitment to allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, to be listening for Him, and to be quick to obey, to follow wherever it is that He would lead you. That comes out of, out of a time of prayer. It comes out of reading Scripture. It comes out of fellowship with other believers. It comes out of worshiping God and being thankful and grateful for all He's done. It comes out of serving others, especially those that are in need. So in this week, let me encourage you to be listening for the Spirit's voice in your life. That you would be looking for ways that He is leading and guiding you to, to encourage others, to, uh, to point other people to Jesus, to, to extend His love in some way into other people's lives. And through that, living out sound doctrine, living out the reality of Jesus Christ in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we do have an anchor, a standard of truth through which we know who you are. We know what you have done for us. And we know how you are calling us to now live. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the way that it plays such a central part in our congregation. Lord, I pray that you would do, that you would build 
that commitment of ours to sound doctrine more and more as a congregation. That in our conversations, in our interactions, that we would be uh, talking and discussing and, 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 and encouraging one another in knowing the truth of Scripture, in knowing what that sound doctrine is and how we can apply it to our lives on a day-to-day basis. Pray, Lord, that, that we as a church this week would walk in fellowship with you and in dependence on your spirit, being quick to obey when you speak to us in whatever way that that might look. If it's to extend a helping hand to somebody that's in need, if it is to speak a word of truth into into a world that is so full of lies, if it is to to hold fast and and deepen our own walk with you and and looking close to who you are and, and being honest with ourselves and recognizing those ways that we miss the mark that you have set for us and, and to, to repent and turn back to following your path that you have led us on. Lord, oh, that we would be that light that this world so desperately needs. That can only happen as we walk in relationship with you, in fellowship with you, in dependence to you, in obedience to you. Would we indeed live out the title that we are followers of Christ. Thank you for this word here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.